Welcome to Where There is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. Hey, Travis, today I want to talk about FOMO. Uh, Do you know what FOMO is? For what? FOMO. Yeah, I know what FOMO is. The fear of missing out. Yeah. Um, This is something I've had some troubles with in the past, but, um, and I still do. Um, But when we look at FOMO, um, just as a a preface, I I first learned about this when I read this book called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You by Tony Reinke. Um, He does some some talking on this in chapter 10 of his book, but um, I'm going to use a lot of the material from that book in this, uh, this podcast. So this is my uh, citation of that material. Um, <clears throat> so Oxford has actually added FOMO to their dictionary. And of course, as you said, fear of missing out. But in case you didn't know, Oxford defines FOMO as anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. You ever experienced that? Yeah, I'm sure that I have. Um, The example that I could think of, um, I'll use a church-type example. Um, We're we're blessed to be in a congregation with a lot of men who are able to teach classes. Uh, And teaching is one one of the things I really enjoy in the church, and so a lot of times I do not have the opportunity uh, to teach or uh, not nearly as much as I'd like to. So I have a little bit of jealousy uh, about that. And then just taking more worldly examples, um, and this is, this is a silly example, but, but probably one that works, is sometimes you're watching something or listening to something, and then you find out that something so much better was on the other channel, right? Like, oh, I didn't know that was going on. I hate that I missed it. Um, you know, maybe streaming makes that less of a thing than it used to be. Uh, but, you know, again, maybe a silly example. How about you? Yeah, I definitely have it. And it, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to battle, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, with me, I think it comes more in, like, when I see people having fun and I'm not a part of that group, or uh, I see I see good friendships between two people and I want that same friendship with that person, but I just know that I'm not at that, at that level with that person or you know what I'm saying. Um, and that's, that's one example. And then there's other things like, um, you know, you mentioned TV shows, things like that. When people talk about it and I've not seen it for one reason or another, or I've chosen not to watch it and that's all they want to talk about. Then, um, it, it makes us feel, uh, I would say lonely and kind of a strange. Yeah, I agree with that. I, you talk about TV shows, you know, as, and I'm not condemning anyone who watches the show. As a Christian, I made the decision not to watch the show Game of Thrones. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> I, I was excluded from a whole part of social culture in the United States for a good two to three years. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just one example of many different things. And um, while we think about this, I'd like to read this excerpt from... 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. Um, This is in chapter 10 again. Uh, He says, My desire to never be socially left out comes at the price of beeps, pings, and endless feed refreshes. You're thinking about social media. 
I constantly check my phone to make sure I'm not missing anything. But others also pay a price for my so-called relevance. When it comes to cultural FOMO, we are eager to turn the tables and heap shame on others for not having yet ingested the movies, television series, or viral stories that we have already consumed. Whenever someone admits that they are behind on these cultural products, we are quick to expose them. Much as we begrudge being on the receiving end of the guilt, we dish it out in equal portions. Yes, we have blood on our hands because we both carry and spread this vicious FOMO disease. It feels so good to flaunt our relevance over one another's irrelevance. What do you What do you think about that? I know that was a long excerpt. What an excellent way to, to consider it, uh, the idea of, of needing to feel relevant. Um, it used There used to be, it seems like, it saw, saw the old man here talking about the good old days. But, you know, in the good old days, it was okay for you not to know about every little thing. Um, but yeah, you, you can certainly be shamed for not being on the, on the cusp of whatever new cultural phenomenon is going on, whatever thing is trending on social media, whatever show is, is catching everyone's attention. Um, and I think that you know, people do that. I, I'm sure that I have done that to other people. But you know, it's, it's judgments of what, where do you place your time? Your time is valuable. What do you want to spend it on? And you chose to spend it on X. Well, that's foolish. I thought you should have spent it on Y. And we do all these value judgments about things that really don't have value in the first place. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to value, like you just said. What do we place our value in? And not only that, but do we feel valued? Um, I know this this excerpt that I just read like hits me square between the eyes because there's days that I've been all over that. I've done everything that he just mentioned. So I can really relate to this. And um, he goes on to say, this is the next section in his, his work, the sick irony is that our FOMO causes us to run right into the just-having-come-to-be nature of news, which only deepens the problems which were addressed in his previous chapter um, of wanting to know what's going on all the time and it stokes our fears about this world and where it's like information overload and we're seeing every bad thing that's happened anywhere and we start to get really disappointed and it's all because of this drive to feel relevant um, and just where we put our uh, our values and do you feel like because of that we take snippets of things like we you don't have enough time to be invested in everything so it's it's the it's the Twitter culture of news. You know, you you take it in two hundred eighty character bytes instead of really understanding a topic. You know a little bit about everything and become that jack of all trades and master of none. With you know, and culturally and information wise, and um, you know even biblically, you know you know a little bit about everything, but not a whole lot about anything. Yeah, we're we're a headline culture look at the headline and pass that we don't really care too much yeah i agree i think that that has really caused this um so like i said this this uh excerpt really just rings true to me um there are times i and quite recently this past week um i found myself unlocking my phone before i even knew i was unlocking my phone to look at social media or news several times an hour, um, not just 
you know, once an hour, but several times an hour. Um, and if you find yourself doing that, in case you didn't know you could do this, uh, just think about how much time you're wasting and how you're kind of being uh, almost called by your phone. But um, one one positive point real quick is that Apple and Google and Samsung have ways that you can see how much time you're spending in your apps. Um, Apple has screen time. You can see like how much time you spent on an app in a day or, or in a week or whatever. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but when we look at FOMO, it sounds like it's something new, doesn't it? Like it's uh, uh, something that is caused by social media and all this stuff has brought it about. Um, but if we take a step back and we consider what FOMO really is, it's someone who is fearful that they are missing out on a better life. And that's not so new. It sounds an awful lot like the biblical concept of covetousness. And I think we can see that applying a lot more, um, not just as it relates to social media, but in other areas of our life where we uh, might, might recognize it for what it is. Um, you said covetousness. I think I, I see a lot of envy in it as well. Like my example I gave earlier, um, when I see two people having a great time with each other and I want part of that, but I know that it's not, you know, it's not my relationship to have. Uh, I want that. And, you know, I want to be that person. Um, do we see examples of this in the Bible? I'm going to know that you have examples and that's yeah. why you asked yeah. that question. So I will defer to <laughs> of you. Of course we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you think all the way back to the beginning, uh, very first sin. Uh, we see Adam and Eve, and uh, Satan comes to them and tells them that God has lied to them, and that if they partake of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that they'll know, uh, they'll, they'll be like God. Yeah, they'll know things and be like God. And that's that's a great example. Um, what better fear of missing out than fearing that someone knows something that you don't? Yeah. Um, that's so much. There's, there's so many things that, that are wrong with that, <laughs> that idea. Uh, but that's really where gossip gets its legs is someone who just can't stand to not be in the know. Um, and again, that fear of missing out on knowledge or gossip or something. For, for Adam and Eve, it was this knowledge of right and wrong that the serpent tempted them with. Um, but it really was a fear of missing out on knowing something that they had no business knowing. Yeah. And it, it was this this um, possibility of a better life that, you know, they were tempted with that possibility, and they, of course, took it. And that's the, that's the first sin that was caused by this. So to say that this is something new, I think, is is clearly... It's clearly not the case. It's something that's been around since the beginning of time um, on this earth. So we can see that this is clearly poisonous. Um, it's something that leads to sin. So um, is, there, is there anything that we could say we should legitimately fear missing out? 
you know, eternal life is everything. Resurrection is everything. Um, if you miss that, you've missed the whole boat. So, you know, outside of that, there's probably not much, but that one seems like a pretty obvious one. Yeah, I, that that was what I was going to say. Um, eternal life is, <laughs> if you've missed eternal life, you've missed everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the one legitimate fear we should have of missing out on. Um, so when you think in the Bible, there's a good example of this kind of thing in Luke 16. And I'm going to turn there. Uh, Luke 16 is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And if there was ever a good example, this is Luke 16, verse 19. If there was ever a good example of someone who realized that he had missed out, it was uh, the rich man here. And we know this this story. Um, the rich man, uh, he says he feasted sumptuously every day, and at his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Well, we know that um, they both die, and we see that Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, which we could um, see is a good place, and the rich man is not. He is separated from them and can see what's going on, but he sees that he's missed it. Um, and then he he requests that he be able to contact his family and tell them that they're missing out, and uh, he's told no. So when we think of someone whose his, his key message was, don't miss out, it was, uh, you can see here that Lazarus missed out on a lot on this earth, but he did not miss out on the good things that came after. Um, so when we look at um, the things that we go through in this life and we have to reject ourselves and, and um, choose self-control or whatever it be, and end up missing things. Um, we can see that Lazarus here put all those things before other stuff, and here he was rewarded for his uh, his life on Earth. If you had a, if you had to say what the opposite of FOMO is, uh, what what would you say that is? Living your best life. Living your best life, uh, and to me, that sounds like. And maybe it's a stretch. It sounds like the idea of contentment. Um, you know, Paul says with godliness, but godliness contentment with is great godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world that we cannot take anything out of this world. Um, now he's talking much more about the contrast between the rich and the poor. Um, and there's certainly FOMO involved with poor mm-hmm. people looking at the rich people, et cetera, and even in the rich man and Lazarus. But uh, the idea is that it doesn't matter what state you're in, there, sh- there should be a level of contentment. Um, and I, th- I think that we can be content living our best life, but I'll color that in for me. What do you mean when you say living your best life? Well, <clears throat> I think I misunderstood your original question. <laughs> um, well, but, I, think, I think they'll both work. As I, yeah. I, I want to hear your definition there. I think it will work as well. But if I think living your best life, I I do think it applies. Um, Being content, like you said, knowing that you're doing your best in all things and um, what you have is what you have. The circumstances that you, you you know, as 
there's no there's no reason to envy or to covet mm-hmm. when you're trying and doing everything you can. Um, you don't need to covet someone else's possessions if you have those same things. Uh, even if you don't, you're still doing fine. Um, you know, so uh, I think it helps not to focus on it and to be mm-hmm. content, as you've said. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it. Is you know, give the good effort. Make you know, make sure you're making the the best choices you can make and the wisest choices you can make, and then live with that, uh, and and not be so concerned about how it looks for everyone else. Don't you feel a lot feel like that? So much of FOMO too is our misperception when we we look at a situation and we think that someone has it, you know, that they're enjoying something that we're not, or that they've got something better than we have. Um, and that doesn't see the whole picture. Yeah. Uh, you just hit on something great that I, uh, would love to, would love to talk about is that social media, specifically social media, um, you're only seeing, it's like a highlight reel. I think we've discussed this before, but it's a highlight reel. So someone who's going through tough times and maybe they have a friend on, uh, one of these social media platforms that only posts good things about their life every day, and this friend's going through a really hard time. They get on their social media, they see this every day, and they think, "Man, I want that. I wish I had a good life." But what you don't know is that that person is—I I hate to say it—but basically posting lies, um, or uh, you know, maybe they have a, a life that that's great, but um, but they're often, not posting often, the, they're not posting the whole truth, right? They're not posting. You know, maybe they had a great time or whatever, but they've got hardship going on as well. Yeah. And they're not going to let you see that. Everything is a message with a positive spin. And I think that's the big lie that uh, we consume when it comes to this, is that we think that people have it, you know, 150% all the time. Everything's going great. And we just have to realize that sometimes... Oftentimes, things are not as good as they seem, and uh, social media specifically has made that hard to remember because you only, like we said, see the highlight reel. Uh, Thanks for bringing that up. So when we think about FOMO and what we can do, we talked about um, there is a legitimate FOMO. So how do we counter FOMO? Uh, If we look at um, what we just talked about, uh, being content, with the things that we are seeking first, the things that we should seek. And I think if we can consume ourselves with those things, you know, we talked about how um, when I read that excerpt earlier, this this um, being consumed by FOMO leads to us just always wanting to know the newest things. And I think if we can unplug ourselves from the world sometimes and um, plug ourselves into God's Word and consume the things that He would have us to consume, it should shift our focus a little bit and help us to remember what's important and maybe take us away from concern, uh, concerning ourselves with those things. Um, next time you find yourself anxious about a big party, a friend group, a social media post, or whatever it may be for you, ask yourself what God has blessed you with. What can I do to show Him I love Him? And to me, these questions make all of these other cares melt away and you remember how blessed you are, and um, we can refocus our minds together on, on Christ and his 
crucifixion, resurrection, and our purpose. Imagine a community that stopped comparing themselves to others and started focusing on how they could help others. Imagine what the church would be if we all stopped looking around and started looking up. I I leave you with these thoughts. I hope that you're able to um, see this in your life and find a way to counter it and to focus, focus on God. Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 3.24, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him.